Good morning, Evangel. Good morning to those of you online watching from wherever you are. Good morning to those of you in the building, those still to come. Would you stand and join us this morning? song again whatever may pass 
How's everybody doing today? Great. Say hi to someone as you're seated this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. Sorry for the delay there. I had an extra song on my list, and so uh, I was uh, thinking, no, it's not my turn yet, no. But uh, so, sorry about that. Good morning. Glad you're here. Welcome to the service today. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online, and uh, we're just uh, happy to be able to gather together this morning. If it's your first time here, we want to extend a very special welcome to you, tell you that we're glad you're here, and uh, offer whatever we can to come alongside you and encourage you and assist you uh, along the way. And if you would like to fill out the connection card you'll find in front of you, you can leave that at the information desk in the foyer at the end of the service. Uh, They can answer some questions that you might have. There's a gift there for you. And if you'd like us to follow up with you, please indicate that on the card and we will do that as promptly as we can. Just have a few announcements this morning. Just want to remind you today that uh, one of our wonderful things that we do as a part of the ministry here is that we serve breakfast to clients at, 
in partnership with the Kerr Street Mission the first Saturday of each month. And uh, we're at a point where we're looking for some additional volunteers. And if that's something that you'd like to be a part of and you have interest in or you have some questions about that, uh, that uh, perhaps you may be interested, please see Kelly or Jennifer and, um, and uh, they'll be able to direct you and help you in any way. But any help that you can give, that would be great. Last week, I announced that uh, Monica is uh, started as our new office administrator. And of course, uh, one of the questions that came up through the week was, you know, what's, what's her email address? And so we're, we're trying to simplify things. Instead of having multiple email addresses, you can reach Monica simply by sending an email to info at epcoakville.com. And uh, that's, that will be her email, and uh, you can contact her through that, of course, or you can call here at the office as well. And just a reminder, uh, some of you have signed up for numbered envelopes. Uh, they are in the foyer. If you haven't picked them up yet, uh, then make sure you do that. Perhaps you have numbered envelopes, but you just found it's easier now to give through e-transfer, and that's fine too. And if that's the case, just let us know that, and then we won't continue to, to put those out there for you. That'll just make it a little bit simpler for you for sure. I'm going to invite kids, JK to grade five. You can slip out with your volunteers at this time. And we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. I'm going to invite our, uh, our volunteer team to come forward to receive our, our tithes and offerings today. And you can give in the plate this morning. But if you'd like to give electronically, you can send it to giving at epcoakville.com. Thank you. God bless you. And I'm going to hand it back to Carlene. It is good to be with you this morning. I sing and worship and usually in my car on the way to work in the morning, but there is something different and something very powerful about meeting with my community of faith, being in the same room, being able to lift our voices in song together, being able to demonstratively raise hands and possibly just be silent and stand and let the words of songs become your prayer. This is our community of faith. This is our family. And it means a lot to me to be able to worship with you. We've come here for a purpose. And part of this next 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is, is that these songs are our prayer. It is these moments where our hearts become softened so that when the word is spoken, it finds good soil to rest in. So I invite you to stand and to worship together. Family, come and stand, please. We have assembled to praise the one we love. We join the chorus of the angels up above they sing hosannas and their praises to our king so we join our voices all together now and sing Yeah. 
I'm not gonna be afraid Cause these waves are only waves I'm not gonna be afraid I'm not gonna be afraid I'm not gonna fear the storm You are greater than its roar I'm not gonna fear the storm I'm not gonna fear it all Please be still Say the word and thy will Set my feet upon the sea Till I'm dancing in the deep Peace be still You are here so it is well Even when my eyes can't see I will trust the voice that speaks Peace be still Say the word and thy will Set my feet upon See till I'm dancing in the deep. Peace be still, you are here, so it is well. Even when my eyes can't see, I will trust the voice that speaks. Peace, peace, peace over me. See you. 
who would claim me amazed at the God of the universe that would have such reckless love that you would make a way that we could be your sons and daughters I stand amazed at the finality of your work of grace Jesus on the cross I stand amazed that we can stand in such a place of security it doesn't remove the storms. It doesn't remove the waves. But we can stand in the middle of it and say, Peace be still to my heart. Be still and know that there is a God that I belong to and will not be removed from. I stand amazed in this family of faith that we are called, we are chosen, we are bought, and we are secure in a love that will not change despite society that changes every day. I stand amazed at the audacity of what we can claim as ours, adoption. We can claim to be sons and daughters, a part of the family of God. And I stand amazed that when our faith is small, when our faith is shaken, when our faith is broken even, that Holy Spirit, you are the builder of faith. So in this place right now, we declare that we are your sons and daughters. We have assembled to seek your face. We have assembled in this place to hear your voice. And may it build our faith. May it make us the kind of people that love as recklessly as you love us. So in this week that follows, despite waves, despite storms, despite what feels like shaky ground, we will be givers of a stable love. We will be givers of grace in a way that reflects you well. And with audacious faith, we thank you, Abba, 
for your word that will bring change to our hearts. May our hearts be soft and willing to accept what your word has to say. And it is in the precious name of Jesus that we've asked this. Amen. Would you please remain standing for the reading of his word? Scripture this morning is John chapter 14, and we're just going to read verses 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Carlene and worship team, for leading us this morning. And I just trust that your hearts are encouraged today by God's presence in this place as we acknowledge Him and as we worship Him here together today. Hospitality was a big part of our family, of our home when I was growing up. Every day, people were cycling in and out of our house. Family members, friends, neighbors, canvassing politicians as long as you were a member of a, a certain political party. All the hospitality in our house took place in the kitchen, which was the largest room in our house, most often around the table as we shared food. To be honest, as I look back on my childhood, I don't ever recall a visitor in our home sitting in our living room. I don't ever remember that ever happening. It was always in the kitchen. And in the center of the table was a promise box, almost identical, actually, to the one that's on your screen this morning. And in that box, there were about 150 small cards with scripture verses on them. And on the one side, the title said, a promise to trust, and then there was a verse. And on the flip side, it was a command to obey, and there was, there was a verse. And so it was common when company was over and you're sitting around the table sharing hospitality around food that those who were around the table would, would draw a promise from the box and, and read it out. And in fact, most meals, whether there was company around or not, someone would read from the daily, read, read daily from the promise card from the box. Now, as I reflect back on that, the desire of my parents, as well as many others who had a promise box, was, well, to keep God's Word central to their lives and their homes. And so as you gathered around hospitality, there in the center was the Word of God. And I believe their desire was good. But while their desire was good, there was a potential problem with this particular practice. I mean, just imagine for a moment going to a foreign culture somewhere and taking a person from their family and their surroundings and taking them thousands of kilometers away and then just dropping them in a completely different culture where everyone they knew and everything they knew was gone. And then trying to understand everything there was to know about that person when you have no understanding of their context whatsoever. Where they came from, 
what they were a part of before they came there. And I believe that's what we're doing when we grab a, some specific verses without an understanding of the context which, from which these individual verses belong. They belong to something bigger, and we can easily make these standalone verses mean what we think they mean with really no appreciation for where they came from or what the message was intended when they were a part of the bigger context that they were written in. And so today we're launching our winter sermon series entitled Promise Box Passages. I've been sort of processing this one for a while and I, I felt, well, it's time to, time to move forward with it. And as we explore this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be uh, you know, exploring some of the most common scriptures that are taken out of context, attempting to understand them within the context that they were intended for us to understand. And so today in John 14, if we just look at verses 13 and 14, and we read those on the promise box card where it says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Well, if you take that verse and you interpret that out of context, it can create and, and, and does create for some a theology where Jesus is like a genie in a bottle that has granted us wishes. And we can ask for whatever we want by invoking his name with the expectation that if we follow that formula, he'll give it to us if you take those verses as they are. But that's not what we want to do. We want to understand when Jesus said these words, what was he talking about and what did he mean when he said them? And so to understand these two verses that we've read today, we're going to take a look at the other 12 verses that are in this chapter, that are a part of this section, and, and even a very quick look at well, what was going on before this chapter. And to help us try and understand better what Jesus was saying here when he made these statements. We're going to start with place. Our scripture today is a part of a longer, important conversation. It's a recorded conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And it's taking place in a rented room where Jesus was sharing the final Passover meal with his disciples. Jesus had just washed their feet to establish an example of humility for them and his desire that they would love and serve others with the way that they had been loved and served by him. Then, in, after that, he told them, I want you to know that one of you is going to betray me. And that created a stir, but then his next statement really created turmoil. He said, I, I want you to know that not only is one of you going to betray me, but I'm actually leaving. I'm leaving. That I'm no longer going to be with you. You're, you're not going to see me any longer. And where I'm going, you can't come with me. You can't come with me. 
Well, that was just startling for them to hear this. They weren't expecting it. They weren't wanting to hear this. And Peter wanted to go with him, so he tried to convince Jesus to, you know, Jesus, take me wherever it is you're going because I want you to know, Jesus, you know, I'm worthy to go along with you because I am willing to lay down my life for you. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to go where you're going. And then Jesus told Peter that not only could he not come, but Peter, actually, even though you're saying those things, before the rooster crows, you're, you're going to disown me three times. Now, this part of the conversation set up the continuation of the conversation in chapter 14. Jesus, sensing their anxiety and their distress, responded to them. And he said to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, literally interpreted, that means Stop letting your hearts be in turmoil. Stop letting your hearts be in turmoil. Regardless of what I'm saying, regardless of what's going to happen in the future, I want you to keep believing in God, and I want you to keep believing in me. Uncertainty and discouragement had weakened them. And Jesus desired to strengthen them, so he shared to them about the place where he was going to, and why he was going there. He told them he was going to the Father's house, God's house. He's using language that in their minds they can picture, as he often did when he taught, in their lives what, what he, was, he was talking about. So he said, I'm going to my Father's house. I'm going to God's house. And I want you to know that God's house is, is, is a big house, and it has a lot of rooms, a lot of dwelling places, a lot of apartments. In this culture, it was common for sons and daughters to have separate apartments or dwellings that were under the same roof as the parents. They would just build on to the family home. Each sibling would build on and the home would get bigger and bigger. And so he's using this idea to help them understand as much as they can and comprehend what what he's talking about spiritually. And he said, I want you to know that I'm going there to prepare a place for you So that someday I'll come back and I will, I'm going to take you with me so that you can be where I am. And so they want to be with him and they will, but he's trying to help them understand just just not right now. Now's not the time. There will be a time, but now is not the time. I'm going to a place, but you can't come to that place right now. Now, this part of the conversation ended with Jesus telling them, they said, you know what, and I want you to know, you already know the way to the place. Like, you already know the way to where I'm going. The second thing he launches into is person. Jesus' announcement of them knowing the way prompted a response from Thomas, who was likely thinking exactly the way The others were thinking, and so he asked, right? There's always someone in the room that speaks up and says what other people are thinking. And that's, I believe, what he's doing here. And so he asked, Lord, well, you know what? We don't know specifically where you're going. Like, we, we really, we kind of understand it, but we don't really get it completely. So if we don't really understand exactly, specifically where you're going, how can we know the way? 
Now, the disciples are thinking in terms of a road or a pathway, right? It's like, it's like Google Maps. It's like, here's where you are. This is where you want to go. You know, now, here's, here's the way to get there. And Jesus said, you know, they said, what's the best way? And Jesus said, well, the way is not a path. It's a person. The way is not a path. It's a person. And their focus was to be on following a person. And the person is him. He says, I'm the way. He's the way. He is the pathway. He is the link between where they are and God. He is the pathway between where they are and where they want to go. And by following him, they'll find the Father. He's the truth. He's the revelation of God. They can see God because they see him. And he said, I'm, you know, he's the life. Not just physical life, but spiritual. The life of God resides in him. He is their salvation, which means the life of God also resides in them because of him. And so Jesus is the way. Jesus leads his own to the Father, and there's no other way to the Father, he says. The only way is him. So you'd think that that would kind of satisfy Thomas's question, but then Philip joined in the conversation. And he said, okay, Jesus, we hear what you're saying. And we're experiencing a lot of doubt and fear here, obviously. So if you could just show us the Father, that would be enough for us. If you could just show us the Father, I think all of the pieces would come together and it would be like, ah, okay, now we get it. So, can you just show us the Father? That would be enough. He's likely thinking of the way that God showed himself in the Old Testament and through, down through history, maybe in a cloud or fire or wind, whatever. Show us something tangible, Jesus. Something we can see, something we can feel, something we can experience. Just show us something tangible. And if we can have that moment of a, of a tangible experience with God, then our anxiety will lift and our concerns will be settled and we'll have peace with the fact that you're leaving. So just, just do that for us. And Jesus said, Philip, I've been with you a long time. I've been with you a long time. How can you say, show me the Father? You've seen me, and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm the revelation of the Father. I am, you know, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. Think of all the miracles that you have observed. Those should help you accept the fact that You've seen the Father already. You're asking for something that you've already had. Jesus was communicating here this this incredible idea of this complete unity that is difficult for human language to express and for humans to understand, but he's trying to help them know you've already witnessed that. You've already experienced that. You've already experienced the Father because... It's not a path, it's a person. And the person is me, Philip. And then Jesus concludes it with promise. 
Now, in verse 12, which is where we pick up our reading this morning, Jesus' words switch from the present tense to the future. He's looking past the crucifixion. He's looking past the resurrection. He's looking to the time when the disciples will be without him and will continue on his mission in his absence. And those who believe in him have faith in him. Those who have believe in him, those who have faith in him will do, he said, what he's been doing, miraculous works. And for Jesus, going to the Father first meant dying on the cross and then being raised victorious from the grave. And so he's saying once all of that takes place and he's with the Father again, his followers will not only carry on his mission, but he said, you're going to do greater things. Now, how is it possible to do greater things than Jesus did? Well, Jesus is not talking in terms of greater because they'll do more miracles than he did, or even because they'll do more spectacular miracles than he did. Jesus is not talking in terms of greater because they will be more successful than he was. What he's telling them is when he goes to the Father, which is because of the cross and the resurrection, that's going to open the door for a mission of salvation to spread beyond the borders of Palestine to all the Roman Empire around the world. Jesus never traveled outside Palestine, but they would. It would be Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so all of this is possible because he's going to the Father. All of this is possible because he's going to die and be raised from the dead. And so he said, once I'm with the Father, I want you to know that I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Now, this promise of answering prayers is not a carte blanche principle. It's linked to a purpose. I will answer those prayers so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Jesus is talking about prayer that flows out of a partnership with Him, where the one praying discerns the heart of God and is faithful to carry out His work. And so they can do so with the assurance that Jesus will answer the prayers necessary for his purpose to unfold. And so the promise is this. God will answer the prayers that are embedded in faithfully carrying out his missional purposes. He will always provide what is needed to faithfully carry out what he's asking his followers to do for him. If he asked us to do it for him, then he will provide what is needed to do it. And so it's interesting that the focus of answered prayers here in this verse, the promise that we get here of answered prayer, is not about what his followers are asking for themselves. 
It's not about that. That's not the context. This focus is the prom- of, of the promise here is about providing for his followers what is needed for them to do what he is asking. And so what Jesus is saying is this, I will give you what you need to carry on my work as long as you stay focused on my priorities and purposes and God is glorified. The asking focus here is not for us. The asking focus here is for him. So as we conclude our quick look at this scripture this morning, there are two things from an applications point that I would like to focus on as as we conclude today. The first is just say what our scripture is saying. And so our scripture today is a reminder to us that there is an eternal place for us. This is not all there is. That there is an eternity, there is an eternal place for us. And that through the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus has made it possible for us to come to the Father through him. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And like the disciples... We sometimes lose sight of the fact that the way is a person. We sometimes lose sight of the fact that the way is a person, Jesus. And we know we've lost sight of that when we begin to focus on different things as part of the way. And we do that a lot, and we've done it all through church history, and we still continue to do it, creating a way. The Pharisees did it, creating a way. We can create ways with good intentions, but they're based on legalism. We can, we can create a program with steps that must be taken, and we mean well, but, but that's not the way. We can create a theology. We can, you know, creating and protecting spiritual, you know, a spiritual way of life that we've come to accept as as. as This is the ideal and this is what it should look like. And we can do all of those things and focus on all of those ways with good intentions and good things, but lose sight of Jesus. We can lose sight of Jesus, who is the way. Other things can easily become the way. Programs can become the way. Church life can become the way. But Jesus is the way. And so it's important for us to never lose sight of Jesus. It's important for us to never lose sight of Jesus because he's the only way. And so we can't lose sight of how Jesus lived. We need to constantly be reminded of that. We have to be constantly reminded of what it was he taught, what it was he did, what it was he said. Like the Apostle Paul, we, we live with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Following the way is following Jesus. And following Jesus is not an always an easy way to follow. He told his followers that it would be costly and painful, but he would always be with them. 
Folks, there will be moments of heartache and moments of disappointment and discouragement, moments of anxiety and fear and loss, but He will always provide what is needed for us to carry out His purposes so the Father can be glorified. Now, there will be moments like Philip where we will want Jesus to show us something miraculous, give us something tangible to encourage us, Jesus, to keep us going. And Jesus knows that even though that's what we want, our relationship with him is not built on signs. He made that clear all through his teaching when someone said, well, if you are who you are, say you are, prove it by showing us a sign. And sometimes we do that too. God, I just need you to do this and that will be what's it. And he says, no, my relationship with you is not built on that. It's not built on signs. It's not built on manifestations. It's built on trust and faith. And he reminds us that, like he did with Philip, you've already experienced enough of the miracles and the interventions and the hand of God to know the Father and to know the way. You don't need the sign. You just need to trust. And so Jesus reminds us that staying focused on him is the key to overcoming struggles, not miraculous signs, but trust in Him. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Keep believing in God. Keep believing in Jesus. Trust. Have faith. That's what He's teaching here. And then secondly, what our Scripture is not saying. It's easy for us to take verses 13 and 14 out of context, and instead of seeing these verses as being tied to what Jesus is asking us to do for Him, we instead see them in terms of what we are asking Jesus to do for us. And if we take these verses as they are, and there are many who do, we're left with a theology that teaches that God should answer every prayer we pray if we ask in Jesus' name. So the question I would ask this morning is this, what happens then when he doesn't? What happens when he doesn't? How do we explain unanswered prayer? If we believe that this verse is a verse for us, that if we just ask it in his name, he will do it, and then it doesn't happen, How do we explain that? What do we do with that? And I'm certain that every single one of us in this room and watching today have prayed prayers that weren't answered. In fact, there are some I'm really glad God didn't answer. My life would have taken a very different trajectory if if God had answered some of the prayers I've prayed. If Jesus said we can ask anything and he will do it, why isn't he doing it? I mean, that's the question we all want to ask, right? So first of all, I'd like to remind us that unanswered prayers are actually common 
in Scripture. We often go to Scripture and say, see, they prayed here and God answered. Well, let me tell you about a few times they prayed and he didn't. Moses. He prayed, he begged God, I want to go in. I want to go into the promised land with them. I've, I've come this far. I, I want to go in. And God says, no, it's not happening. And he died before they entered. David, after having the affair with Bathsheba and having her husband killed and now has taken Bathsheba as his wife and the child that's born as a result of their pregnancy is in, in, in a health distress. And we're told that for a whole week, David cried out to God and prayed that God would spare this child. The child died. There are times if you read the Old Testament, the armies of Israel prayed for victory and they lost. Habakkuk prayed that Israel would be delivered from Babylon. But Israel wasn't. Jeremiah prayed that the city of Jerusalem would be protected. But it was destroyed. Paul prayed that God would take his thorn in the flesh. And God says, no, you have to keep living with your mother-in-law. It's okay. He says, no, I'm not doing it. Jesus prayed, take this cup from me. But not my will, yours be done. Died on the cross. Even though prayers often reflect our deepest desires and our longings, sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want or ask. In fact, He never promised to, if you understand Scripture correctly. We pray understanding that there are realities that are a part of living in a broken, sinful world. That there are moments when God intervenes and changes the course of these things. Yes, we've all had those moments, perhaps, where God has stepped in and changed the course. But there are many times that he has not. And it's not simple. It's it, to understand and to wave it away. And when our prayers aren't answered the way we want, then things begin to happen in our lives when, when, we, when we believe that, well, God, you said if I ask anything, you will do it, and I'm praying for this, and it's not happening. So, so who's to blame, and what's to blame? Because obviously I missed something in the formula, because if I got the formula right, the outcome should have been what I was asking for. And we become sometimes disillusioned with God, because somehow God let us down. Is it possible that God lied to us? He told us this would happen and it didn't. It's, when we misunderstand Scripture, it opens the door for all of these processes and thoughts and challenges and misunderstandings. Folks, a day is coming when all sickness and tears and death will be eliminated. We know that that day is coming. There's a day that we will be with Him forever. But in the meantime, we live experiencing Yes, a foretaste of what is to come with a hope in our hearts for the full reality of it when Jesus comes. But we don't get the answer to every prayer here. It's just not how it works. So we pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We trust when we don't understand. God never promised that if we have enough faith, all our prayers will be answered. And this verse certainly is not about that at all. And so I'd like to invite our worship team back this morning. Folks, through the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus has made it possible for us to come to the Father through him. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Following Jesus is not an easy way to follow, but he always provides what's needed for us to carry out his purposes so the Father can be glorified in everything in our lives. A day is coming when all sickness, tears, and death will be eliminated. But in the meantime, we live in this moment where we see a foretaste and moments of what that will be like. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Keep believing in God. Keep believing in Jesus. Would you stand this morning? As our worship team leads us today, if you're here this morning and you would like someone to pray with you about a specific need, I'm going to make my way down here to the front and I'd like to invite you if you'd like, you can slip out of your seat and come down and I will privately, confidentially pray with you. Perhaps this morning you're just want to allow the presence of God just to minister to your heart right in your seat where you are. Maybe you're processing some of the perceived non-answers to prayer in your life and maybe some of you have felt like maybe God has let you down somewhere along the way. Allow His Holy Spirit to remind you today that that's not the case. Just keep trusting Him. Allow him to lead you in the things that he actually did promise for us this morning. Carly, would you lead us as we spend a few moments this morning?
Jesus this morning, we declare that you are the Lord of all. That you are the way. Amen. You are the truth. And you are the life. That you have shown us the Father. That you are preparing a place for us. That you lead and guide our lives every day. That you never leave us. Father, we thank you today for your, your trust in us. To entrust us so valuable with something so valuable as your work, your mission. To love and care for one another and for those all around us. And Father, today as we do that, we pray that you would, as you promised, provide for us what we need to do that to the best of our ability to do that beyond our ability as you work through us to love and reach those that you love so, so dearly. And Father, today we thank you for your word and we just, Lord, we want to understand it the way you intended it. So would you give us insight and wisdom so that we can observe and see and approach it in the way that you intended it. Holy Spirit, who inspired the word, would you help us understand it and apply it? And Father, in a day and age when our hearts are troubled, when there is so much going on around us that just turns our worlds upside down, when we hear what we don't want to hear, when we see what we don't want to see, may we hear the words of Jesus saying, stop letting your hearts be troubled. Stop letting your heart be in turmoil trusting in me and keep trusting in God. So Lord, we commit to that this morning. The decision to keep trusting. To keep trusting. To keep going. To keep believing. To keep our eyes focused on you. The one who began our faith. The one who will finish it. As we leave this place this morning, we pray your blessing on each and every one. I pray that you would lead us and you would guide us. Help us to live as you lived, to love as you loved, to speak as you spoke. May we be Jesus to this broken and hurting world. We pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Hope you have a great week, and God willing, we'll see you next Sunday.